Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is our review of Big Little Lies Season 2. Episodes 1 through 4. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the theme song for HBO's Big Little Lies Season 2. We are discussing this as a Patreon-exclusive part of Next Best Series where we dive into select television. Not all television, that would be quite impossible, but this is a big little show, no pun intended. Uh, Something that honestly really captured everyone's attention a few years ago back in 2017 when season one premiered with such an appealing cast that includes Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, Alexander Skarsgård, Adam Scott, Zoe Kravitz, Laura Dern. I mean, this show is just absolutely packed with talent drama, comedy, everything else. Who did I forget? I don't know. Who did you forget, Matt? But that was season two. We're ta- I'm talking about season one right now. One. Don't you dare interrupt my flow, Michael Schwartz. <laughs> we are talking about Big Little Lies here for the first time ever on the Next Best Series podcast. It was too, too big to ignore. Here to help me talk about the first four episodes of season two, I have Michael Schwartz. As you can see, I can barely contain myself. Ryan C. Showers. Me too. I am all here for Big Little Lies. And Deanne Knighton. I am unhinged and ready to go. (laughs) So I want to just first start us off uh, with a little bit of background information. As I said before, we've never officially talked about Big Little Lies here on the podcast. So, Michael, I want to throw it off to you first. Overall thoughts on season one and what were your expectations heading into season two? Season one was by far one of the best shows of its season. The 2016-2017 Emmy cycle television season, by far one of the standouts. I think Nicole Kidman gave the performance of her career, won an Emmy for it, and it's just absolutely sensational. Here's a show that is like operating in the same world as Desperate Housewives, not quite as as, uh, heightened as that show was. But it's dealing with the same types of mysteries and you know female friendships and suburban drama. I love it. It's all operating in that mode, even similar to American Beauty in some ways. So I love shows that deal with these suburban issues. And with this cast, not just Nicole, but uh, Reese and Chalene Woodley, Laura Dern, everyone Matt just mentioned. I think it operates on such a level and was such a quality show two years ago that when it was announced that it was coming back for season two, I understand why some people were hesitant, as if we really needed a season two. I trusted them to go there. I knew that if they were coming back for a second season, there would be a reason for them to do it. Just like the Toy Story movies, you're not going to just do this as a cash grab. This is done as a reason to tell part two of the story. And I think it's lived up to that hype so far. Okay. Ryan C. Showers, how about yourself? Well, I echo everything Michael said, um, but I also want to point out, like, the timeline of Big Little Lies and why it was 
why it became such a sensation. Uh, so Donald Trump was elected in uh, 2016. The show aired the spring of 2017, and it won all of its Emmys like weeks or even days before the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke in 2017 and before the huge rush of Me Too. Um, and Big Little Lies, uh, it is, acts as like a bridge between the two, like the Trump election and Me Too. And it, it, the themes that the show explores are very much rooted in the Me Too movement. Um, and I, it, for me, it was the program of its year, uh, n- not just in quality, but in what it meant to the culture and how it's informed the culture. And I think that uh, it um, will go down as one of the best miniseries slash drama series um, made with the talent involved. Um, and Jean-Marc Vallée, who is one of my favorite directors this decade, he did a beautiful job with season one. And I, I'm glad that he was, that his vision lives on. Um, and I'll say more later on. All right. Deanne, what about yourself? Sure. Yeah. My uh, love for David E. Kelly started. I, ju- I had to go look and see when Allie McBeal first aired. It was 1997, <laughs> um, which really dates me. But um, that's pretty amazing if you think about the fact that he has been, um, you know, kind of responsible for these um, several different episodic things about women in particular, and one as old as 20 years back. That was like a very formative show for me. But what I love about Big Little Lies for right now, um, in addition to what Ryan said, just about the timeliness of it, there's also this very cool kind of soap opera style melodrama to like what's happening. But then you have these real artists like Jean-Marc Vallée, obviously making it. And so it has this quality to it and this shine to it that it never really crosses over into that soap opera territory, even though it really is um, very much kind of playing into that feeling. I love that. And I, you know, between Jean-Marc Vallée and, and then also, David E. Kelly, they both have done amazing work with female characters and especially with, you know, Wild and uh, Sharp Objects last year. Um, There's just something, you know, kind of entrancing about that to me. Um, The other thing for me that um, from that first season that I can't get over is the amazing use of music. And we're going to talk about that a lot because that is something that I think is so profound in this series. I love that uh, uh, soundtrack for the first season. I listen to it all the time. Uh, And it's interesting because as we get into the discussion today, um, a lot of those themes related to the musical choices continue, which I was really excited about. And um, I just overall think that this is, you know, something special and unique and then done at the quality that it's done. It's with the people that are in it. It's just amazing. I have often said about Big Little Lies that for me, the actors are what drew me in. The characters are what pushed me away. But it was the show that won me over because I have to admit when I first started watching Big Little Lies, I was like, I don't like these people. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of a lot of like, <laughs> you know, just how they're all behaving, the gossiping. And like, I, I just, I was not enjoying my time. However, when I say the show won me over, this is a type of show where as you all kind of touched upon here in your opening thoughts, every single element of production, literally everything from the writing to the acting, the direction by Jean-Marc Vallée, the music choices, Deanne, the editing, 
everything about this show was so good. And when I say the characters, at first I was not a fan of them. The writing and the acting and the direction that these characters took and how much they evolved over the course of a very short seven-episode run fully transformed my perception on all of them. And it became, as you said before, Michael, like the television event of the year. I mean, it was it was stupendous, absolutely incredible. How many different topics this show was able to touch on, how real it all felt on a psychological level too. I mean, this was a show that truly blew us all away. It grew in its ratings episode over episode. And now we're here with season two. And what do we have? We don't have Jean-Marc Vallée directing all seven episodes anymore. We have Andrea Arnold, who people might be aware of her work from things such as Fish Tank, American Honey. Uh, she's also directed episodes of uh, Transparent as well. But I think that what's most remarkable here is how much she has been able to mimic the same style that Jean-Marc Vallée brought to season one and how season two is so much a continuation of the story from season one. It doesn't feel like it's its own separate thing. It feels like there is still one story with one unique vision being told. Oh, and uh, yeah, let's just also throw in Meryl Streep for good measure because not like this show needed to be packed enough with star power as is. <laughs> huh, well, shall we call that foreplay? <laughs> so, you know, one thing I would say I had in terms of concern for the season before we jump into it was, you know, obviously the source material I think was primarily covered in the first one, although I do hear there might be a few spoilers that maybe this season or leading up to that were unveiled in the book. I think, Ryan, you read it, right? I actually didn't. Oh, okay. You should I'm very surprised to hear You're that. You're usually my source material guy. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I no, have it. I bought it. I just never read it. Yeah, so obviously we were kind of going into uncharted territory and the writing was, you know, going to obviously be so defined by that first season. And, you know, we've seen that work before and we've seen it not work. And so um, I, you know, obviously had some apprehension about that and it just seeming like overkill. Um, so there was definitely some reservation that, you know, it might um, spoil what is such a great standalone thing. Um, and we'll see how we're all feeling about that. Yeah, I definitely had a bit of apprehension towards a second season at first. Um, initially speaking, it did feel like a bit of a cash grab because, yes, they did run out of source material. And, <laughs> well, let's just say that there was another HBO show this year that ran out of source material. And we all know how that all kind of turned out. So, uh, you know, there were things heading into this that I was a little, uh, you know, a little skeptical about. However, when I found out that Meryl Streep was going to be on the show, I, like Michael, knew that I was in good hands at that point. I mean, Andrea Arnold as well is a really, really terrific uh, choice to follow up from Jean-Marc Vallée on. Um, yeah, and you know what? I have to say that a little bit of a spoiler here uh, to a certain extent in terms of final thoughts, but even though I don't feel that season two is quite at the level of season one just yet, I am still having a really, really good time with this. Well, and can I just say my biggest apprehension about there being a season two was Jean-Marc Vallée is kind of a filmmaking genius when it comes to the editing of his films and his miniseries. Like, Agreed. Wild. 
sharp objects in the first big little lies like and especially like that that final like 15 minutes of um season one uh it's incredible like this man is an artist um i was so so nervous that even though that the the story and the storytelling was in the hands of people who were qualified to do it i was worried most about the editing and the formal aspects of um season two but uh i have my worries were quickly quashed um with the fir- within the first five minutes of of the first episode. No, I think that that's like a hallmark of most television. Uh, a pilot is usually made. There's a style that is kind of like agreed upon as, oh, this is the style, the look of the show. This is what we're going for. And then it's all up to other directors from there to kind of carry that over and subtly here and there add their own little things. But ultimately that, style needs to remain consistent or otherwise if you're going to have your show evolve in terms of its story uh sometimes the storytelling needs to evolve along with it but like i said before it's very very clear that big little lies is telling one full story where the events of what came before are greatly influencing what's happening now and that's what episode one in many ways uh felt like for me it it just felt it felt good to come back to Monterey mm-hmm. and be back with these characters again. I actually forgot how much I missed being with these characters who, like I said before, I didn't have the best uh, opening relationship with <laughs> when things first started. Yeah, that really surprises me, Matt, th- to hear you say that, because I feel like you're one of the only people who watches this show and doesn't eat up all the drama with a spoon, like all the juicy character drama. I, 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 I do now, but when the show first started, I, I like Reese Witherspoon. I couldn't stand her. Laura Dern. I couldn't stand her. Uh, I, I just had such a hard time connecting with, you know, these rich people that, you know, just think they're better than everybody else. And I was just like, ah, like they, they really got to start ha- like getting me to build, like they gotta build sympathy for these people at some point, you know. And sure enough, they did. Well, uh, you know, I I do agree with you one hundred percent. When I I wrote in my notes, um, when I remember watching the premiere of season two, and it just felt like I was at home. I was so comfortable, yeah. and so happy. And I think, um, I actually think the premiere is the strongest episode of the four. Um, just in in terms of overall quality and of it being whole. Um, from the structure, like how the the beginning and the end creates a big circle, and I think the editing is at its best in um, the first episode, uh, and the character work um, is flawless, and it just reintegrates us back into the story. And you know, I had the same kind of feelings, Matt. I was you know, before the season started. Is this going to be necessary? But you know, after watching these first four episodes, I I think that I can't imagine watching season one without the knowledge of what we learn in season two. It just, mm-hmm. now that we've seen season two, it just feels so, it w- season one would be so empty and so incomplete without it. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of Big Little Lies season two, episodes one through four, part of the Next Best Series podcast where we review television here. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to Patreon. Our Patreon page is under Next Best Picture, three words, type that in, and if you donate $1 minimum a month, you will not only get the rest of this review, but you will also get exclusive podcast reviews as well for 
movies, for other television shows, Next Best Theater. We really, really love our Patreon supporters. We want to provide them with the best, most detailed content possible, and we are trying to increase our output, actually, at this current time. So, if you like the show and you want more, head on over, Patreon, Next Best Picture. You have been listening to the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast, which you can subscribe to on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, iTunes, Acast, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment, write us a review, leave us five stars. We really, really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we will be back to review the final three episodes when the season ends. And we shall see you all then next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.